0: Hey, y'all, welcome to Life Not Wasted, a podcast hosted by Amanda Hill and Molly Eiler. We're two friends from Texas who got sober in our 20s and are now trying to figure life out in our 30s. So grab your booze free beverage of choice and join us each week for candid conversations about sobriety, spirituality, and how to live a life not wasted. In this episode, we get a chance to speak with a friend of mine named Mariah Stockman. Mariah is an entrepreneur who runs a marketing agency to help female-owned businesses and business owners thrive. But today we're not talking to Mariah about marketing. We're talking about something a little bit more personal. We're talking to Mariah today about her experience in the Al-Anon program of recovery. It's a 12-step program for the friends and families of alcoholics to help them cope with alcoholism's impact on their life. In this episode, Mariah shares with us her experience in Al Anon and what she's learned along the way. It's a great episode for anyone who has been discontented in their relationships or has been impacted by the family disease of alcoholism. Molly and I loved having Mariah in on this conversation, and we hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to a new episode of the Life Not Wasted podcast. I am one of your co hosts, Amanda Hill. I'm joined by our other co host, Molly Eiler. And for today's episode, we have an amazing guest and I will let Mariah, I will let you introduce yourself. Um, but this woman is so contagious and so Mm -hmm. joyful and I'm just so delighted to have you on the podcast, Mariah. I'm so excited. Thank you,
1: Amanda and Molly. I'm Mariah Stockman. Um, I don't know. I run a marketing agency and I co-founded a company called She Goes and that's all the work things. But on a personal note, I, uh, let's see, I, I'm a, I'm a Tinder long distance relationship success story. I'm a
0: California local native living. Molly's eyes just grew to the size of her. face. Are you, you too? Said Tinder success? Story. No, yeah. I'm
2: sure not, but I love a Tinder success. story oh, yeah. Cause I've had, I've had very few of those. I've had many Tinder stories, horror, very horror stories. stories. Yes, yes. I'm
1: still waiting for Tinder to like do a spot. I'm like sponsored.
2: <laughs> I got, um, I got a tattoo on a Tinder date in Las Vegas. No, when I went, after i got sober um but that's, <laughs> that's my best tinder story um but yours definitely wins 100 wait
0: i didn't know you got that tattoo on a tinder date in las vegas One thousand. what is it
2: you wild child what does it say it says to thine own self be true oh. which um you know is yeah. on our uh chips for yeah. our 12-step program so yeah i love it but sky. i love that you were tinder long distance mm-hmm. success i want to that I'm sorry, carry on.
1: (laughs) No, that's okay. I just I feel like you know it was just such a great example as I was like listening to myself introduce myself and it's we get in such these like patterns of just hi I'm Mariah. This is what I do for my job and my work and I'm super like love what I do but then let's like also not like who I am like we like yeah we like built a patio this weekend so I'm like a do I wire (laughs) DIYer and Uh, yep. like would live half the year in Michigan and need to be near water and like have a gazillion nieces. And, you know, so there's just so many more interesting things that way that you can describe. Like I totally, everything I do in my, in my world is really for like the advancement of women. And I'm like, I don't know. Why can't we just talk about that all the time? I want to talk about that.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. Because your story is a little bit different than ours you don't drink, but you also don't consider yourself an alcoholic. Yeah, totally. And I I will say like, I have so much
1: awareness of the fact that I was able to, and like so much deep, like empathy, compassion, sympathy, all of that, like, like celebration, you know, for those who have to go through the struggle and go through those dark days and moments of like hitting a bottom and having to really face themselves and face their higher power and be like, I want to plug the jug. I want to put this down. I don't want to keep drinking. And I'm hyper aware that mine was just like a decision that I made on like one day. And then the next day I'm just like sober for six years. And I say sober and it can be like a confusing term. I think for folks, there's like a whole like world of people who are sober by choice. And I think sometimes when you say sober in my world, I get a lot of like, Oh, so like you're an AA. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. I wish, like, (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was an alcoholic. Like they have way more fun than people over in my world, but, um, it is definitely one of those things where, you know, I'm very aware that I was able to make that decision really quickly. And I didn't have to go through, you know, the hardest days. Right.
2: Um,
1: but I definitely, my family's affected by the disease and I'm really grateful that I found my own program of recovery in Al-Anon. And that's something I'm really, um, it it really like proud of. And I celebrate in like my own life. And it's, it's, it's actually harder to find those rooms because you're like, why is my, why is, why do why are these what are these patterns why is my life feel so unmanageable and you're like you're not Mm. an alcoholic or a drug addict and you're like kind of like just normal but like you have all these like control issues or codependency issues or fear or anxiety and um, I'm just really grateful I'm grateful that my best friend growing up is an addict and she was like you know seven years ahead of me. And she was like, you should like, I don't know, try Al-Anon. You're kind (laughs) of, you're kind of crazy. And I like went to a meeting with her mom and her mom's like my mom and, um, and it was life-changing completely. Like there's no way I could have focused. I could not have gone through that year without the tools and resources. Cause it's the same, similar program, similar steps. I mean, same steps, you know, same, same similar slogans, right? All of that fun stuff. So, um,
0: so if someone is hearing what you're saying and they relate, um, what, what experiences did you have right before you came in the rooms of Al-Anon that kind of gave you some triggers that you were like, you know what, maybe, or gave your friend the triggers to say, Hey, listen, you might need to try this because, you know, there's like a general discontentment Mm -hmm. that can come with life. And then there's, you know, the recovery work. And then there's like
1: crying in a bathroom because like your boyfriend won't get sober and you can't Mm. figure out why you can't fix him. And Mm. like you try and, you know, that was my story. I was like, you know, I just, I couldn't figure out why I kept choosing to date you know, people who had really similar backgrounds like over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And I was like, oh, like it's me. Like I'm just like undateable. I'm like broken. I'm um like I'm like damaged, you know, all of those mm-hmm. kind of narratives. And there was like, you know, it's 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 very similar to, you know, alcoholics obsess over drinking, right? Addicts obsess over using. And Mm obsess over people over people and usually over an alcoholic um Mm -hmm. and we can be just as like ruthless and crazy and manipulative and and -hmm. i don't say that to say that all alcoholics are ruthless or crazy or manipulative i just know what it's like when i want to control someone, or I want to like emotionally manipulate them. Like, look how sad you made me. You made me so sad. Love me. Don't leave me. Mm -hmm. Look how sad I am. And it's just like this toxic, vicious cycle. Um, and I'm, I'm like so grateful for those relationships because it took me down like a almost seven year path of like healing recovery and therapy and, getting to look at like my childhood and getting to like, really just start to like unpack things because, um, no one around me was talking about those things. Mm-hmm. You know, when you come from the family disease, it's not like you're all having these like really healthy conversations about <laughs> right. the education of alcoholism, you know, it's all like blame, shame, games, you know, f- fakery. Yeah.
2: <laughs> just Lies. When they Lies. Yeah. And
1: to the point where people don't even know they're lying. You know, they just, yes. you know, I, yeah, I won't get too much into my family history for the no, for scary. the privacy of my family. Um, but it is definitely like one of those things where how could you have a conversation around something that everyone's in denial about, right? So you have to find mm-hmm. rooms mm-hmm. where everyone can talk about the things that their families are unwilling to talk about, you know? And um, yeah, so that was, uh yeah. That was like almost seven years ago when I walked into my first meeting and was just like, I hate him. <laughs> just talk. I mean, I probably talked about like quote unquote him for like yeah. two months. And yeah. then, and then I was like, Oh, this is about me. <laughs> this isn't about him. This is about me. So yeah.
2: That's such a good yeah. insight to, as far as like what the dynamics are like in a family as someone who doesn't identify as an addict or alcoholic, like how it can affect you and, and, and how that can play out. Um, and congratulations on like seven years. That's amazing. What has your recovery looked like since then? So you came into the rooms and then like on a day-to-day basis now, what does that look like for you?
1: Oh, I love that question because it looks so much different, you know, like, probably is very similar to AA or NA, um, you know, your focus in the beginning is just to feel better. Right. I just want to Mm -hmm. feel better. I just want to be more spiritually fit. I just want to, I don't, I want to have less anxiety, less control. I don't want to be like thinking or obsessing about people and people's behaviors. Um, and then it just like, it changed, you know, it morphs into service and being of service to others. Mm -hmm. And then really about for me, like my day-to-day is like, always with like a gratitude list, you know, reading some sort of like literature. Um, We have very similar pieces of literature, like daily devotional readers Um, and being available to women when they need it, you know, like it's COVID has been a really hard year for folks in recovery. hundred percent. We don't have a lot of in-person meetings, but thank goodness. There's a lot of like virtual meetings. There's a lot of virtual groups. Um, I'm in like literature studies with with women from all over from in California. Um, and just really just trying to stay like as connected while I don't necessarily identify with like needing the program, like in a day-to-day basis, which is actually like the biggest <laughs> flag <laughs> for yeah. knowing that I need the program on a day-to-day basis. Uh-huh. But it's definitely changed since moving too. Cause I get, you know, I, I didn't, I mean, I, compromised and I moved out here and I don't have my, you know, I don't have the program that I grew up in. Right. So yeah. it's definitely a different, um, scenario now for me out here, but just trying to, um, appreciate the virtual, you know, ness yeah. of everything until things come back to be in person again. But mm-hmm. I won't, I will tell you,
2: mm, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I, will tell you,
1: I will tell you a really funny story about coming here though, because yeah. I walked into my first meeting ever here and I was like, so homesick and so sad. And it was like snowing and I hated it. And I was like, and I walk in and I walk into this room and it's like light and warm. And there's like 40 women and they're all like my age. And I'm like, this is so cool. This has got the best recovery community. I'm so excited. And I sit down and then they start the meeting and I'm like, oh my God, this is totally an AA meeting. (laughs) I was so sad. And then I like crossed the hall and it was like four old people who, like which <laughs> oh, is no. so calm. Oh, it's wow. very common. I know. But I was like, it's, I'm like, could laugh at it later and be like, how Alanon is me? Is it to me to want to be like always with the alcoholics, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was First that
2: question is like, what was it like in Virginia when you moved? Yeah to like start up a new program. And it's because it's so hard to find that community yeah. and it can be really intimidating. And yeah. um, you know, I'm I'm sorry that it wasn't as fun as the other meeting across I know. the
1: hall. I know. I know. You know, it's 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 just it's just different. And um I haven't really had a lot of opportunity because by the time I was like, I wasn't like really ready to like, I was in so much suffering and denial when I first moved here. That I definitely was not like willing, ready, able to like replace my community from California. And I think a lot of people probably do that. Like I, I, it's like, I have more understanding now when you hear someone who's moved to an area, come into a meeting and be like, yeah, I moved here like six months ago and I'm just trying to find a new home group. And I've always thought in my head, like six months, like what took you so long? You know? And now I'm like, oh yeah, because that sucks. And that's really hard. And it takes a little bit to like, you have to kind of be on your own floundering a little bit, trying to like make it on your own to remember like, oh yeah, like it doesn't matter where the where you are, the program has traditions and principles to keep it so that you can walk into a meeting pretty much anywhere in the world and you should get some recovery. I think my problem when I first moved here was, I was like, there's no recovery here. Like I am the mm. most, I am the most recovered. <laughs> Which is like so my pattern of self righteousness.
2: I sounds like something I would say.
1: Yeah, I just remember my first meeting. They were like, "Oh yeah, I have a year. I have a year. I have, a year I have a year or six months." And I remember thinking, like, "Oh my god, like I'm a mess. I, I need help. I need more help than this room can give me right now." Yeah, and I was able yeah. to like turn to my you know sisters in the program back in California and like. Totally laugh at myself with them and call myself out and be like, yeah, I just need to like go back and try it again. So, you know, I've tried a few meetings here and, um, and then COVID hit and then everything shut down. So, um, I'll report back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let us know how it goes. Yeah. 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 Um, so for some, um, I don't think, um, I think I did a, probably a poor job of, of introducing kind of the, um, Topic of conversation, Um, but I don't think we've actually defined what Al-Anon is and what it what it provides. I don't think we've discussed that on the podcast yet. Um, So, for our listeners, would you mind sharing kind of what that program is from your perspective?
1: Yeah, so it's a twelve step program that's very similar to AA. It was born out of AA for the friends and family um, of alcoholics, and so basically the only Uh, you know, sort of entry needed to be able to sit in there is if at some point someone's drinking has bothered you and the person who's drinking doesn't even need to identify as an alcoholic. It really has less to do about them and it's the focus is on ourselves because we can't change them or control them or cure them, but we can work on our own, um, you know, patterns of thinking and action around other people's behavior. So really it's a disease of relationships and a disease of thinking, which is in, is similar. It's actually um, started by Bill W's wife. So <laughs> I actually, I'll never forget. I was in a bar once when I was sober and this but pre, pre my husband and <laughs> and I won't tell him. And I know he can hear us. So like, uh, but <laughs> he's, he's heard this a lot, but uh, I was in a bar once and this guy was like, can I buy you a drink? And I was like, no, thanks. I don't drink. And he like leaned to me and he was like, are you a friend of Bill W's? And I was like, no, but his wife and I would have been like really tight. <laughs> So it's, I mean, it's program has been around forever. It's been around like almost the same amount of time as started as like family groups way back in the day, um, and grew and grew and grew. And, um, I would say that it's, it's just as robust as a program, but it's harder to identify, I think for Mm -hmm. those. And so what tends to happen and not speaking on behalf of the whole entire program, but what tends to happen is, um the like demographic is a little bit older where mm-hmm. I think where AA does a really good job is identifying helping like younger people identify. Like I always think like, gosh, if we could have found this program when I was like, you know, 18, that would have been great. But they do have Alatine and Alakid,
0: but they're just a smaller, smaller program. Well thank you for explaining that. Yeah, I just I just occurred to me that I'm like I, we're all speaking the same language, but someone yeah. that that isn't familiar with that or um you know d- doesn't have those same resources that we do might not actually know Mm -hmm. the great things that that program is able to provide. Yeah. And
1: like the biggest, I mean, I think the biggest part of for at least for me and like where we sort of connected was there's, there's so like, I feel like my life like really changed like the moment that I started this program and I look at my life Mm -hmm. now and I look at everything that I have and um And everything that I'm able to accomplish on such like a quick like pace is because I have worked this program and worked on like recovering from these ways of being and these like defects of character and from these like really like fear mongering like narratives, which are just like stay small, stay unseen, be quiet, um, you know, don't get caught. (laughs) Don't get caught like dreaming or be wanting to like take up a lot of space or um, because so much of, of what I experienced like in my early days was just about just surviving, just get through it, just survive. Um, And then there's no space to really think about what was thriving look like, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think about, I think about, you know, So many people who aren't affected by the family disease, like don't have to combat certain types of patterns of thought, but like for someone like me or someone like who's, who grows up an alcoholic home, like you have so much already like weighing you down against you that I feel like, (laughs) I just feel like a freaking miracle. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. a success story and then add like recovery to that, I feel like unstoppable because hmm. I like survived what most people shouldn't have to, you know, and then I found recovery when I was 25. Um, and then that like didn't cure, but it healed so much and like supported so much deeper healing in therapy and yoga and like spiritual practice. Um, so yeah, so I feel like where I, was like excited to talk to you was like, wow, Mm -hmm. you really do like a cool thing where you blurred your you blend your work and your sobriety together. Mm -hmm. Who thinks like finance (laughs) sober sister? (laughs) Yeah. You know? And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. because they are a hundred percent interconnected because you are like a dynamic interconnected person, you know? So Anyways, I think that there's a lot to be said about what I have today and what I'm able to accomplish. And my lack of limited beliefs is because I really do feel like a miracle, like a hundred percent.
2: And here's what I really love about that, Mariah, your confidence is so strong. Mm. And I think we, we kind of, that those thoughts you are talking about are like the stay small and don't take up too much space. Like, I think those are far too mainstream and it's, you know, when, and I, I feel the same way, like the things that Amanda and I can both say we've accomplished in sobriety, we are so proud of, and it's because of our recovery. And it's because of our sobriety that we've been able to accomplish these things that I can speak for myself. I never thought possible. Like I, the, 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 when you look on paper at things that I've done in the past five years, it's, it's things that I never expected for myself. And I can say that confidently. And, um, I, I know that you can, you as are speaking confidently about your accomplishments and your success. And it's, I think it's because you're not giving yourself the glory. Mm-hmm. And your yeah. glory is going yeah. to your higher power and, mm-hmm. and that's part of your spiritual practice. And so I kind of, that's kind of my question too, is like, what's your spiritual practice like, and what on a day-to-day, like what's your relationship like with your higher power, as far yeah. as like meditation and um, connection and maintaining that contact. Cause that, that is a part of the yeah. al- out program. Well,
1: all 12 step programs. I mean, it's, it's like the core principle.
2: It's like it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Which is, you know, and I don't, I'm always, I always tread lightly around this because I think six years ago, seven years ago, I might've been really turned off if I were to hear this, but I want to preface this, that, um, I was a Christian prior to recovery And I became part of my story is that I became really angry with my, with God and really angry with higher power and not under wanting to understand why life was a certain way and blame and had a lot of blame. And then I felt a lot of resentment towards church and going to church. And then I spent like eight years you know, I was like in India, in an ashram. I was like, I mean, it was like a whole like eat, pray, love scenario of like trying to find my way back, you know, into that. Cause I am naturally a really like faith based person. I don't, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Um, I found it when I was 14. I mean, I'm like, it's, it's such a poster child of anyone from like any, like toxic child, childhood home. Like I was yeah. like a star. Did act. your neighbor bring you to church? Yes. That yes. yes. <laughs> My neighbor, Daniel, who's now a pastor in North Carolina. And I like, love it. I'm like, you literally brought me to church, but, um, it's like, I was a star athlete, you know why? Because mm-hmm. like, gotta love after school, anything outside mm-hmm. the house, you know, I was in like every extracurricular I was in, you know, I just, I needed a lot of that outside, you know, involvement for my own, I think just wellbeing. Um, so The best part about Al-Anon for me was that when I was able to do my fourth step, I was able to really identify, wow, I have like a a, a physical resentment. Not it, It wasn't at that point. It wasn't a spiritual resentment. I hadn't identified that. And I was like willing to explore because obviously I was on the fourth step. I wasn't like picking and choosing what steps, but I was willing to accept the role of a higher power. And I was willing to accept that that higher power could benefit my recovery and my life. And like, I could hand things over to him, but I wasn't at that point where I was identifying my higher power with like my in my relationship with like Jesus Christ who's my higher power and my example of recovery Um, but in my fourth step I didn't even identify that I was resentful at God I was resentful at the church and Mm -hmm. because there was a part in the fourth step where I could identify it was like my ex-boyfriend's apartment, you know, like like all the places, like the physical locations that I could have some sort of resentment towards. Um, and that was, that came out during that, you know, I mean, I, I, I took a long time on my fourth step. I think I took like six months. I will say there is a slowness to Al-Anon that does not uh, versus the fastness to AA, because I think that in AA, like it's life or death. And in Al-Anon, it's, it's a lot more like at your own way and pace. Um,
2: -hmm.
1: but it, it came out in there and then I was able to like work through that and heal that. And, um, my best friend was going to church. Her husband was, um, diagnosed with, uh, cancer and he's fine. He's good now, but, um, she was going to church every Sunday and I, it was, she was driving up and down from Stanford all week long and so Sunday was like the only day I could really support her and see her so I just kind of like did this is the same best friend I went to my first Al-Anon meeting with her mom by the way Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: um (laughs) but it was like the only time I could spend with her like and so I just Mm -hmm. did whatever she did on Sundays during this like two-year process and I really was able to like go back to church and like sit through that and in mend that relationship and then realize like that resentment was from like really twisted thinking and I was really just wanting to blame some sort of outside thing place for things outside of my control that I, n- nothing no one needed to be blamed. It was just circumstances and it didn't ruin me. Like <laughs> you know, I'm here. I'm like, you know, I'm sitting in church with my best friend. like why am I holding on to this like the power of the resentment? is so heavy to carry around when you don't even know you're carrying it. Then when you put it down, you're like, Ooh, that feels good. You know, (laughs) I don't want to pick that back up, you know? So, um, yeah. So my spiritual practice today is really great church. My husband's also a Christian. We, you know, grace, church, prayers, devotions, like, you know, worship music, like anything I can really get my hands on that makes me feel uplifted, especially during COVID, Um, And I know that that, and I will speak to the fact that that is a really sensitive subject for like thousands of people who are walking through the rooms of any 12 step program, because that is not the place to be, you know, to feel like the term higher power is Religion, you know, and,
2: it, it's not a place to evangelize, yeah, everyone. no, you know, it's, that's no, that's that's not your crowd,
1: no, and I was really lucky because my church at home had such a robust um, recovery programs, like they have like mm-hmm. church a meetings and stuff. and so <laughs> um it's just really cool how it all kind of like worked in in our favor. but um, I think the point of me sharing what that was for me was that more so than what religion I am it healed a relationship that was able, that I was able to get closer to my higher power, you know? And it didn't start, my higher power started as the ocean. When I first started, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go to the ocean and I'm gonna like say what I'm grateful for. And that's gonna be my higher power for a year, you know? And that's how, and then it turned into meetings. Okay, the Mm -hmm. meetings are gonna
0: be my higher power, okay. I love that and I honestly needed something really similar. Mm. When I started the 12 step process, I was like I can't I need to have a personal individual experience with a higher power and I don't want anyone else's views or thoughts to be a part of that. Um and I know that I was actually weirdly talking to someone on Saturday that didn't know I was in recovery and said something along the lines of um, you know, AA is fine, but I just wish there was more Jesus in it.
1: Oh gosh.
0: And wow. I was, you know, I was like, well, actually, I've I've had a very opposite experience mm. than that. And I've actually, you know, ironically found like my own relationship with Jesus that probably looks like different than yours and different from Molly's, and you know, all the different denominations are all different. Um mm-hmm. But I needed that open space to say, you are safe and you are held no matter what. It doesn't have to
2: look a certain way. No,
0: no No. matter what, you are safe. Yeah. And that allowed me to take enough of of a deep breath to where I could actually listen to what you were saying and listen to your experience and not um, just like shun it or write it off or, you know, that resentment, that anger just get frustrated with it. Um, I was able to actually experience it for myself. And mm-hmm. I don't think I would have had that same experience if they had come in and saying, okay, now this is what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. This is the role you have to follow. Like I kind of needed to find that on my own. Yeah.
1: yeah I would have been so turned off. I would have been like, heck no. I mean, I think that there's a lot of reasons why the 12 steps could help a lot of people, whether you drink or not. That's the first thing I will always say (laughs) is that they could be for anyone. Right. You know, my encouragement really is that if you feel irritable, if you feel confused, if you feel like uncomfortable in your own skin and you don't drink or pick up drugs, and you just want to find like peace of mind and peace of, you know, spirit and, like a calmness and clarity in your thoughts. Like al is a really, really great place to, to explore. If you are in a place in your life where you just want to feel better, find other people who want to feel better.
2: Speaking of your Instagram and where can people find you? Sure.
1: Mariah Stockman. Um, or. <laughs> Or she goes go or Miss creative. Oh, <laughs> I have like so many weird. <laughs> I have so many like different channels of I love binge. it. Mariah Stockman. Yeah. Yeah. I And
2: all the all roads lead back to Mariah Stockman.
1: I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's the case. But um I really enjoyed this conversation. I like I shared um with with you, you know, I don't talk too much about this part of my my world too much publicly because I I do think that it's you know, it's like recover. it's personal. Right. But I do think there's so much value in, um, and living, you know, as an example of something that worked, you know, whether that be any, anything I like being, you know, a resource for something that worked for me, you know? So I appreciate that. Well, so thank
0: much. you for joining us. I mean, that's, you just pretty much that's summed so up why cool. we started the podcast. I mean, was to yeah. try to say, cause we, we both got sober around 25 as well. And it's like, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have to struggle. And again, it's not, it's not like we did this. It's like, no, 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 mm-hmm. we, our higher power did all this in our lives. But it's like, if you think you're mm-hmm. the only person that's in their twenties or thirties, that is not wanting to drink or not wanting to be obsessive about the boyfriend or, you know, it's just miserably discontent. Like you're not. And th- th- mm-hmm. there are, there are mm-hmm. options. There are so many options Come sit with us. Yeah. Come sit with us. Uh, you're not
1: uniquely special. Yes. Your suffering is friend. not
0: unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Suffering is pretty
1: common. Yeah. Recovery is, yeah. Yeah. is what's magical. and
2: It is. Me, yes.
0: yeah.
2: so. We're so grateful for you and your time and your vulnerability Thank and you sharing part of your story with us. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the Life Not Wasted podcast, click the share button and send this episode to a friend that would enjoy it. Word of mouth is the best way to help us reach new people who may need a little encouragement on their journey. Thanks again for listening, subscribing, and sharing the Life Not Wasted podcast with your people. Talk to you next time.